Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning and welcome back to the wonderful world of um, uh, first and second century Christianity in the book of Revelation. We were getting on a bit of a roll there when I uh, rudely interrupted to take a couple of weeks off, but we're back this morning. I've had um, a little feedback uh, from a number of people, actually. Um, my goal in, in doing these things in the morning had been more devotional, just to provide a, a good thought for the day, and, and I've been sort of feeling mm, too much Bible study going on. But the feedback has been that the Bible study is, is tremendously appreciated, and, uh, and not to hesitate to, um, to really do the Bible study um, and sort of extract devotions from that. So we'll slow down a little and we will do more conscious Bible study uh, as we proceed through the book of Revelation. And, uh, and hopefully that will bring blessing to us all. The other thing was that uh, we were doing Sardis on the last time we were together. And, uh, and someone asked the question, are we that church? And look, the idea of these letters, I think, in Scripture as we have it, is that we should look at all of these letters and say, yes, we are that church. So what do we learn in our situation um, from these churches? So today we're in chapter 3 at the 7th verse in Philadelphia. These things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no man will shut, and shuts and no man will open. I know your works. Behold, I've set before you a door which stands open and which no man shuts, because you have a little strength, and because you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will give you those who belong to the synagogue of Satan, who call themselves Jews and who are not, but who lie. Behold, I will make them come and kneel before your feet, and they will know that I have loved you. Because you've kept my command to endure, I too will keep you safe from the hour of testing, which is to come upon the whole inhabited world to test those who, who dwell upon the earth. I'm coming quickly. Hold on to what you have, that no one may take your crown. I will make him who overcomes a pillar in the temple of my God and he will go out no more. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, of the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven, from my God and my new name. Let him who has an ear, what the Spirit is saying. Uh, sorry, let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Now, Philadelphia was the youngest of the cities that John writes to. Uh, it was established somewhere between uh, 159 to 138 BC, and there's a whole story around that. Uh, it was named in honour of the founder's relationship with his brother. It means um, brotherly love. Um, so it was really nice. But it was established for a very, very particular purpose. There was no need for a garrison city there. This was built as um, a mission city, a culture city, a city to take Greek culture into this region and basically to convert people to 
Greek thought, language, culture, and so on and on. And so successful was it that by 20 AD-ish, most of the people in that town had completely lost all of their original language and were purely Greek-speaking people. And it had been very, very successful. It was a centre for the diffusion of Greek language and Greek letters in peaceful, uh, in a peaceful land by peaceful means. It was a hearts and minds campaign city, and it worked. Um, so the great door that stands open is obviously a door for evangelical work. The city has done this in the past. Let's do it again for Jesus this time. Now, the promises are that the people will go out no more. A uh, bit of history. In uh, 17 AD, there was a shocking earthquake right through this region, and, and many of the cities, uh, even among those that John writes to, were destroyed. Now, in um, Philadelphia, there was an ongoing series of aftershocks for years, and it was a daily event that, um, you know, it was built on basically on a volcano, and, yeah, bad things happened. But for years, there were earthquakes and shocks and splits and masonry falling. And, and the end result was most of the people lived outside town in huts because to live in the city, well, and there were some who did, but they were considered crazy because the risk of, of falling masonry, the risk of you know having the roof collapse on you while you slept and the constant maintenance of your building with big cracks in the wall and you know getting the windows to open again. People who lived in town were considered mad. Jesus says to Philadelphia, mm, you will go out no more. And it's a beautiful word to this city to say, hey, we, we will come to a place of stability and safety. It's going to be different. I'll give you a new name, says Jesus. Well, Philadelphia was, they knew all about that. Um, after the earthquakes, the emperor had been um, really generous to them, gave them massive tax, break, tax breaks and a big injection of cash to rebuild the city. They called it Neo-Caesarea, the new city of Caesar. It changed its name. A little while later on, uh, another one of the emperors was very kind to them. They changed the name again to Flavia after the name, the family name of the emperor. So this was a city that was used to having new names. And Jesus says, you'll go out no more and you will have yet another new name. So it's a, it picks up on this stuff. Now, later on, this city actually became really an important place for Christian evangelism. Um, when Islam swept through hundreds of years later, uh, Philadelphia was one of the very few towns in this part of the world that held its ground as a Christian city. And uh, it became a bastion of Christianity in Islamic Asia Minor. Um, for thousands of years, there has been a bishop of Philadelphia. And, uh, and it's, it's sort of held as a place of the faith through a lot of chops and changes. So that's the sort of historical background. Um, and it's seven minutes past already. Good heavens. Um, this, uh, this passage speaks of Jesus very highly. Jesus is called by three great titles, all of which give him a tremendous claim. He is the one who is holy. Now, the Old Testament is very much at pains to say God is holy. The transcendence, the otherness, the total difference of God to us, the unknowability of God, the mystery, the majesty of God is all tied up in the word holy. And 
to say Jesus is holy is a high claim. It says in Jesus we see the being, the essence, the person of God. It's an amazing thing, a very high piece of information about Jesus. The second thing, Jesus is he who is true. Now, there are two words for true in Greek. One is, it's the truth, that's right. <laughs> the other one is, that's real. That, that's, that is what it is. That's, that's the real deal. It's that word that is used of Jesus. In Christ is reality. Real life is found in Jesus. Anything less is illusory. Anything less misses the point of what we are on this planet for. Jesus is holy. Jesus holds reality. And the last one is he holds the key of David. He's the one, the key is a symbol of authority. He has final authority. And a big Old Testament illusion behind that. Hezekiah had a very faithful servant, Eliakim, who uh, ruled his house and, and had the power to admit to the presence of the king. Isaiah heard God say this faithful one, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. In chapter 22, this is what John has in mind. Jesus is the one in the household of God who controls access to God. He is the way to God. There is no one other. He holds that. Now, because we're going to slow down, we'll stop there. And, uh, and we will come back to uh, Philadelphia again tomorrow and, uh, and continue on uh, with a bunch of other stuff. For now, let's come to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that these letters pick up the reality of life in these towns. And it makes me wonder, what would you write to the Redlands? What would you pick up in the Redlands or wherever, you know, if you're watching this somewhere else, wherever you live, God, what would you pick up out of our story to say, hey, I can do something with that? Father, help us to see our towns through the eyes of salvation history, of redemption, of the purpose of God the way that John can see these towns and their history as, as a way of saying it has been like this, but it will be different. And Lord Jesus, today, thank you for the things that are said of you. You are the holiness of God. You are the way to the Father. Lord, today we simply ask for grace that in everything we do, that we might walk with a sense of what would God do of my city, my workplace, my family? What would change? And have that sense of expectancy, but also, Lord, to walk with you, the great one, the one in whom is reality, the one in whom is truth, the one in whom is God. Lord, come to us today. Fill us with these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, folks, and we'll stay in uh, Philadelphia tomorrow morning. God bless. We'll see you then. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today. <laughs>